Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 206 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam Brennan, and I am joined by Dave Hogue. What is good, my friend? Uh, well, you know, since we last recorded, I saw Joan Jett, Motley Crue, Poison, <laughs> and Def Leppard. Why? At the stadium tour. Why oh, not? where did where did they play? Royals Kaufman Stadium, where they can't say Royals. They played play Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Was it this, was packed. Was the sound any good? It, I, this, okay, so this is the thing I will say. The sound was phenomenal. Okay. Like, like truly phenomenal. Like, it sounded good. They all sounded good. Like, all the bands still sounded like it wasn't like the geriatric voices weren't coming through. <laughs> and uh, Joan Jett looked pretty dang good for 63. Um. Mick Mars at 71. Who, wait, who? So he he's with Motley Crue, Mick Mars. He actually okay. had a degenerative bone disease when Motley Crue started. Like when before they were even a band, he had a degenerative bone disease. And he was like, I, I mean, like a hunched over old man. But he could still just, the licks on the guitar were just... <laughs> impressive so anyway so it was joan jett motley crew poison, poison and def leppard def leppard yeah and vince neal and uh brett michaels the lead singers for uh uh-huh, motley, motley crew poison. poison they look like fat old men but uh well you know the, they've got a lot of miles on those bodies they do have a lot of miles so Did def leppard anyway. still have their one-armed drummer yeah wow yeah Good for him. And he, he, yeah, I, I, I just, it's, you know, uh, it was, it was just a fun experience. Uh, we went with some friends, you know, so, and, and, and it's like, we were some of the youngest people there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the other thing. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a good time. And, um, I I just uh, I bet the people laugh. watching was amazing. Oh, people watching was awesome. <laughs> people watching was awesome, and um, oh gosh, I'm gonna draw a blank on his name. The drummer for Motley Crue, Tommy, Tommy Lee. Lee. He even got the ladies to you know. <laughs> So, and I have to laugh. So here's the thing. And I didn't mean to talk this long about this, but I grew up in that generation where I became a Christian in the midst of listening to all these bands. Uh And I literally threw my rock and roll albums in the trash because that's what good Christian kids did back then. Yeah, And And now here I am. Got your gay nearly eight, eight. Uh, tracks right yeah now for almost 40 years later i'm <laughs> going back to the concert. like you know what brett michaels yes every rose does have its thorn <laughs> yes you are correct so oh man well i was not expecting that yeah way to way to sandbag me during the, the pre-show <laughs> chit chat dave save that one for the show a smart man so 
Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it. I, I don't know. It just, I, I can't even put words to it. It was, it, we had fun, but uh, yeah, that was like a whole other lifetime ago. It sure was. Because that really was like 35, 40 years ago. Yeah, I mean, early 80s. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Joan Jett was, I mean, all of them were, but Joan Jett, well, Def Leppard too, yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, I did not go see uh, any, I haven't been to a concert. Well, that's not true. I did go to a little bit of a concert on Saturday evening. Oh, yeah? Um, there's a uh, There's a get-together out on a farm around here. Uh, and they bring this band up from Nashville. This is the second or third year in a row that they've done it. Um, and they set up some semi-trailer beds for the stage, and they got lights, and a, they bring their full like professional sound, and there's just like 200 people on this farm listening to this band. And the band is like, shoot, this is our favorite venue. We're going to come every other weekend. <laughs> but they're in Nashville, <laughs> so it's a bit of a hike, you know. Um, but it was pretty funny. Like I, I missed the beginning of the show cause I was shooting a, a, a local event for the newspaper. Um, so cool. I missed it, but apparently, so like behind the semi trailers is a big giant John Deere combine with a giant American flag hanging over it. And they did the pledge of allegiance and then prayed and then continued on with their rock show. And then like <laughs> those lead singers are, we're going to need beers and shots of tequila at our intermission, you know? And I was like, man, this is like, this is Americana, right? We got to do the pledge of allegiance uh-huh. first, then pray then sing classic rock tunes about sleeping around and then get drunk. Like that, that order and progression is exactly <laughs> what like, you know, my, my, the stereotypical, like, how do I say this? That strikes me as stereotypical cultural Christianity in this country. Yeah. Pledge of allegiance, pray, live your life. Like none of those things matter. <laughs> But it was fun. I mean, I went with some friends that are friends with, you know, these people. And we had a great time. And I was only there for like 45 minutes. Uh, and the, the lead singer had a very, very, very nice Paul Reed Smith guitar. Like mm-hmm. mine, but much more expensive. Much more expensive. <laughs> so anyways, yay, fun things. Cultural events, Dave. <laughs> All right. Um, we are on chapter three this week of Hearing God, and this chapter is called Never Alone, and I'll be honest with you, um, I really like this chapter because, you know, loneliness is certainly something that I've been dealing with the past couple of years in various forms. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also just, I'm, I've been listening through um, one of Tim Keller's old sermon series on Ephesians, and he was talking about um, how we're made, you know, in Ephesians it says we're all, you know, part of the temple, we're all being built into this glorious thing, and how, you know, as, as building blocks or building bricks, like, we all serve a purpose to build towards a greater whole, we're useless on our own, you know, we, we need to be together, and, and this, that, and the other thing, and he, and he made a statement about you know, Adam, when God created Adam and gave him the job to name all the animals and after did all that, there wasn't, you know, anything suitable for him. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Even though Adam wasn't alone, he was with God 
but it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. So he made Eve to be, you know, so that Adam wouldn't be alone. Um, which, so I was up, like, I just couldn't fall asleep last night because I was trying to, to match what I heard Tim Keller say. And his thing was, if being alone was a burden for Adam when he was with God, how much more of a burden is it going to be for us when mm-hmm. we're not right. in that type of... Then contrast that with what Willard says here in this chapter about, like, for example, um, it says on, like, the third page of my chapter, he is able to penetrate and intertwine himself within the fibers of the human self in such a way that those who are enveloped in his loving companionship will never be alone, obviously talking about God. And so I was just trying to to just jump right into here, trying to figure out how those two things fit together because I think we're talking about different types of alone here, right? You know, because obviously Adam was with God, and here it says, especially like in Romans 8, that we can't be separated from God once we're in Christ, and yet Adam still felt alone. We can still feel alone even though God is with us. And so I was just trying to reconcile those thoughts in my head last night as I was laying there in bed being angry at myself because I just couldn't shut my brain off. <laughs> um, and, and, and trying to figure out like, and maybe I was overcomplicating it. I don't know, but just this, this idea of we're not alone because God is with us, right? Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, like, the, the indwelling of Christ and the Holy Spirit in, in all of that. And yet, we can still feel alone. It doesn't mean we are, but we can feel it. And God said that Adam was alone, so he made Eve. And does, do you get the, the rub here of why this is bugging me? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I was I was gonna try to put it I was gonna try to put it into words or summarize, but then I decided just to acknowledge what you had said. <laughs> you can't just tie it in a nice little bow for me. <laughs> no, because that's I, I guess that's that that was why I said yes because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to give an answer, but I don't think it's that simple. Like I don't think it's that I, I mean, I think you're exactly right in what you're saying. There there is just a um and the words are failing me right now. Um, but yeah, there, there's just a tension um, with what you were saying in terms of... Because I... I, I you, can, you, can be lone, you can be lonely in the presence of other people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can be... So you can be lonely in the presence of other people. So we can certainly be lonely in the presence of God and you know even with Adam's interaction with God 
I don't think we know exactly what that looks like. But I do think there is an element of it's just it's it's <laughs> we've been doing this for so long and tonight I'm just not there. So I'm sorry. Good. Well, okay, so let's uh, let's let's just dive further into it then and see if we can come out the other side. Or we'll drown halfway through and we'll just, you know, hit stop and it'll be fine. Well, so the, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just he goes on to to quote a section of Romans 8 where it says who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nah, not things to come nor powers, nor height nor depths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's that aspect. Like we we are inseparable from the love of Christ or the love of Christ is inseparable from us, you know, both and. And then it says the final and complete blessing and ultimate good uh, of humankind comes to those with lives absorbed in the way of Christ, life in the presence of God. The completely adequate word of faith in all our sorrows and all our joys is Emmanuel, God with us. And so from this aspect, he's saying we're never alone because nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. God is with us in all things, through all things. We are never alone because God is always with us and present, which I think then lends itself to what you said earlier. Of like you can be in a room full of people and feel lonely, or you can be by yourself in nature and not feel lonely. And I think the difference is, and I don't know if we, this is semantics or not, but like alone is a statement of, you know, number lonely is a statement of perspective or feeling. And that feels yes. kind of like a cheap answer, but I don't think it's wrong. No. And yes. So you put into words exactly what was rattling around in my empty head tonight of just that concept of, you know, God is with us. So we're not alone. I mean, I mean, that's just the, the reality is, is, is he is, is present with us. And so, um, yeah, um, he's not, he is not, if we are, well, I don't even want to say that. Um, <laughs> sorry, You're I'm fine. struggling. It's all good. So I guess to, to tie that back to the, the comment by Tim Keller, which was, you know, if Adam was with God and it wasn't good for him to be alone by himself, right? Because he was the only human, you know, then imagine the burden it is on us who don't have that, you know, proximity to God to be alone and to be doing life by ourselves. And his whole point in that was like, you, it's not good for Christians to live apart from the church, we need to be engaged in a body. We need to be part of the kingdom in our community. Um, we, we, you know, like Lone Ranger, not even like he, was, he said Lone Ranger. goes, even Lone Ranger had a sidekick. 
<laughs> and a horse. Exactly. Uh, um, but like lone wolf types, right? Like it's just, oh, I don't need church. You know, I, I, I've got, you know, my faith is my own. And, and the idea is like, because our culture stresses individuality so much and do what's true to you and what's your truth and be yourself and live your life and you do you and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, this is the part where Christianity is like, um, yeah, time out. No, that's not how, that's not how this works. Uh, you see there's, there's a King and a kingdom and you're a part of it (laughs) and we're all in this together. Um, and so I don't know that, that a lot of this, from like, you know, disparate parts of, of what I'm reading here, what I'm listening to, uh, you know, for my own uh, edification and study, some of the issue, you know, the, the stuff that I'm working through personally is all kind of centering around this idea of like loneliness and community and, um, you know, as a single guy, my feelings about feeling lonely versus being alone, you, you know, and just what do I want and what's right and what is the Bible? And it's just all kind of just bouncing around in my head all around this topic. So when I heard that sermon and we read this chapter this week, I was like, <laughs> okay, this, I feel like this is all coming to a, not to a, a conclusion, but like things are starting to converge. Mm-hmm. All these disparate thoughts around this idea of loneliness and, you know, and that sort of stuff are starting to converge from different ways. And that's always an interesting scenario when that stuff sort of happens yeah well and i i think that is a concrete example of old a lot of what this chapter is about in terms of how does god speak to us and so you're so smart um, dave (laughs) you know it's these aren't those weren't i i don't believe those were random things for you i don't believe that i believe that is god working in your life i believe that is god's speaking to you. I believe that is you hearing him. And I think it's just that, that prime example of, um, we're not, we're not alone. He is present with us. And then kind of even that the second half of that is while I don't believe that these things were accidents or just mere coincidences, there was, there was, there was action on your part, you know, the, the, the choice to do uh, a podcast where we talk about God and we read this book and, the, and, and a decision to, to listen to. I mean, you are putting yourself in a position to hear from God. Mm. And, and so, again, you know, if you're lonely in a room with other people, how oftentimes... Uh, uh, and I don't, I don't want to make this sound as glib as it might come across, but how, how, how often is our loneliness a condition of our own doing, you know? Mm. And, and again, I, it, you know, a lot of times it, it, it's easier said than done, especially when you're in a place of, of feeling lonely. Um, because in a room full of people and, and feeling lonely, we could make that effort to start engaging or, you know, doing something to remove ourselves, um, from that feeling, from that situation. So, uh, yeah. So I think you gave us a great example of what this chapter is about in terms of, you know, I don't flip to just a, a, a chapter of the Bible and expect God to speak to me. 
um, I don't just kind of go, well, whatever happens, happens. You know, uh-huh. there, there is, we have an active role in our relationship with God, just like we have an active role in any relationship that we're in. You know, it can't just be one-sided all the time for it to be, um, you know, it, I, the, the, the thought that just popped into my head is, is that, um, I, I, for me personally, so often when I dial down my loneliness, I can see that I have done things to put myself in that situation. And Mm -hmm. I'm speaking about me personally and not saying that there aren't times in life where, you know, it's okay to be lonely. Like that is, that's a valid human emotion. Like, Mm -hmm. and if our circumstances have brought us to that place, then, um, and this was even back to the thought that I was having earlier when you were talking of just, um, being alone, being lonely, feeling those emotions allows God to reveal to us that we are never alone you know, if we do the work to allow him to do that. Yep. And so on that, that idea, right, of, of God being with us versus feeling alone, um, there's a part after um, where he quotes the hymn, wherever thou art, may we remain towards the beginning of the chapter. He quotes the psalm in your presence. In Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 23, right, even in the shadow, valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. So like God is present. Whether we're feeling the fullness of joy in his pleasures or we're going through the worst stuff, God is there. But this next part was like, how in the, again, how did I not think of it this way before? Thank you, Dallas. He says, on the other hand, the fact that only God can take away our aloneness by his presence explains why the ultimate suffering and punishment is separation from the presence of God. And then he quotes Psalm 51, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I know that hell is eternal life without the presence of God. Never did I put it in the context of loneliness and God being with us, like just... Yeah, so good, no. and I'm so annoyed <laughs> at the same time. But, like, yeah, of course that would be hell because you will finally truly be alone. You will be in a place full of other people, and you will all be eternally alone, mm-hmm. which that sounds Terrible. awful. Yeah. Because we weren't made to be alone. No. Not at all. Well, and just even going back to Adam real quick, like think of everything that Adam had at his disposal. All of creation, all the animals, like just pure picturesque paradise. And given all of that, he still was missing the connection mm-hmm. with somebody else and if that doesn't solidify the importance of connection human connection right he had the connection with god 
that was there. That was solid at, you know, at this point, rock solid, super good. And so we see we're made for that spiritual connection, us and God, but we're also made for connection with other humans. And that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the Bible saying thou shalt be married and singleness is a sin. Like that's not it's there, but there needs to be you 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 can't just live your life alone. You have to have community, you have to have connection with other people, whether that's marriage or friendship or whatever, you can't do this by yourself. You have to have that connection with God and you have to have a connection with other people in order to live the way that God intended us to live, right? And if we want to live, shouldn't we try and do it the way that God made us to so that like we can act like it says in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Like we can, we can experience the good life, you know? But yeah. So I had a, a conversation with a coworker yesterday and kind of newly working together. So kind of sharing our backgrounds and our stories. And um, he knows that I work for a church and he was kind of giving me the like church. Like I want like I like church. I'm not against God, but I don't go to church, you know all that yeah. kind of stuff I'm and spiritual but not religious that not. yeah and and so you know I shared with him that you know in my adult life I basically have had three different times where I have left church and not attended um I don't know that everyone was a, a year but some was one was longer than a year one was a little bit shorter than a year but three different times in my life um took a took a break from church um, and then ended up going back to church and didn't, didn't say this to him in the car, but later I'm having this thought of like, God, he probably thinks I'm crazy. Like you have these experiences with church and you leave, but you keep going back. And it, you know, it just occurred to me that I don't go to church because I have to, mm-hmm. like, it is not the checking the box to make sure I get into heaven. I can truly say the reason I keep going back is for that connection for the community because I know at the end of those breaks, when I do go back to church, I'm, I'm, I'm empty. You know, I, 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 I'm not in a better place than when I was, uh, when I left. And so I have that longing to go back. And then when I do go back, I'm like, why do I do this? Why do I, you know, um, take this time away and um so many so many answers to that but it was just a, a personal revelation of just that I don't want to be without community I don't want mm-hmm. to be in a place where I'm not with other people talking about God and worshiping him and learning about him and experiencing him so um yeah it I, I definitely think we are created for that and we look for it in a lot of different places and even and even and even the church run by human beings falls short i mean oh yeah it's it's the closest thing that we have and i love the local church i truly love the local church i love that phrase i love the local church uh you know um but yeah yeah it's it's uh it's a wonderful and just so 
yeah, oh man, I just don't even know where to start with that. Church is good, it's great, but boy, there's a lot of history there, right? Yep. Um, so I had a thought the other night, and I wrote it down. It's from John chapter 4, after he's met with, uh, after Jesus is met with the Samaritan woman at the well, and mm-hmm. the disciples come back. And says, you know, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat yet? (laughs) (laughs) Which one of which one of you stuck in some Chick-fil-A, right? (laughs) Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so some of my thoughts on that were like God's will and the accomplishing of it will sustain us far better and far longer than food will. Right. Like obviously we need food to support our, our physical bodies, but there's a level of spiritual sustenance that only comes from God. Like and we think of Jesus in the wilderness, right? Forty days and forty nights, no food. Sustained purely by his relationship with God. And then when he's confronted by the enemy, right, he's not sustained through that confrontation and he's not victorious because he had some food to eat. He's sustained because he knew the word of God. He used, mm-hmm. I mean, he is the word of God incarnate, but he used his spiritual relationship with God, the father and the spirit to sustain him through that trial. And so anyway, getting back to like what you were saying and, and how I got to this question is like, often we look for physical things to provide sustenance in situations or areas where only spiritual sustenance is going to satisfy us. Like we, we, we try to like whoop, pop it out like you know and Indiana Jones doing the switch with the the thing. Like, <laughs> I know it's supposed to be this, but I'm going to use this. And so it's like the idea is like this is why the porn industry raked in billions a year, right? We're looking to satisfy a spiritually intimate desire with a purely physical remedy. And you know, consumerism, we've got a void that we're trying to fill spiritually and we've determined that we'll fill it with the next best thing. If I could just have this, or that, or the next thing, or the next thing, or the next thing, and then we realize we just have a bunch of stuff, and we still have the same, the same void inside of us, mm-hmm. um, and it's because we're not, we're trying to fill it with something that can never be filled. We're, we're trying to, to do it our way instead of God's way, and doing our it just digs us for deeper and deeper, you know, and it's just humans are messed up, man. Mm-hmm. I believe the term is broken. I think that's the word. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you know, and and in that, you know, there's this like we can even go to this place of well, that's that's selfish of God or that's, you know, such an odd dynamic that we have to be so dependent on him. And it's not like God created that. It's just the truth it's he is the best thing you know uh-huh. it's not like he created some false dichotomy um so that we would need him no he truly is the best thing for us and well and yeah to gosh this whole convert like dave this is crazy all of the stuff that like <laughs> so i was reading um is it this where he quotes j.i packer or is it another? He, his brother's J.I. No, well, there, but there's a, uh, I was reading another book 
The problem is I read too many books all at once. So it takes <laughs> me like a year to get through like them, but like I get through all of them at like at the same time. Instead of like back to back, I just I my attention. Anyways, it's um J.I. Packer talking about this idea, you know, that like when we want things to be about us, it makes us self centered. But for us to glorify God and for God to want us to glorify him doesn't make him self-centered because when we want when we want to be the center of the universe we're putting ourselves in a position that we don't belong in Mm -hmm. god is the center because he has created everything that's ever been created and so it's not selfish or cruel of him to be the center of attention right he is the center of attention because he is to your point and to want him not to be is to not and Yeah, Absolutely. and so we we get into this whole thing, and it's it's well, if I can't be the center of attention, well, then neither can he, because if it makes me selfish, then it makes him selfish. Well, no, that's that's not how that works, because he's in the position he's supposed to be, and then you want to be in that position, and you're not supposed to be there, and that's the issue. You're you're wanting to be self centered to sin, him being self centered is just the way it is, because he's God and we're not. You know, mm-hmm. like imagine, for example. You're uh, the CEO at your business goes out for lunch. And you go into their office, put your feet on the desk, and start <laughs> issuing orders as if you're the CEO. What's going to happen? It doesn't make it you doesn't CEO. make you CEO. You're at <laughs> best going to get reprimanded, at worst going to get fired. But when the CEO yeah. sits at their desk and they do CEO things and make CEO demands and have people report to them like does that make them a bad sell? No, it makes them the CEO of the company. That's their position. You were the imposter. They're the real thing. And so for you to act like them doesn't make any sense. But for them to act like them, it makes complete sense because it's about position and power yeah. and authority. Man, yes. I, this is good analogy. I feel like you've been in my head the past couple of days, and that's weird. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm telling you, this is all different things that I've been reading and taking notes on for like the last like week or two. So this is that's why it's also fresh. Because I've been like I've been trying to get a lot better at writing these ideas down and these thoughts down. As well, and as have I have them. them, so like I have my, you know, I've got a note on my phone open on my nightstand. So if I have an idea, while I'm laying them, you know. Um, and then as I'm reading articles, I'm saving highlight, you know, and books and all, and it's just all kind of going into this, you know, they call it the second brain and it's a whole nerdy thing that we can maybe talk about <laughs> another time. Cause I think it's super helpful for people that want to, you know, that, that study their Bible and read, you know, and listen to podcasts about, about all the stuff to, to contain all this. Cause then you have conversations like this and you're like, Oh, I, cause I wrote it down. I remember this or, Oh, I can search. Like I just typed in my, my, my notes. I typed in porn and it got me that quote about John chapter four and there being other food because it's like, I don't have many notes with that word in it. So that's going to get me really close to what I need, <laughs> you know? Um, it's just so that all of these things, like I said, are just converging around this topic and it's blowing my mind. I don't even remember where that Jaya Packer quote was from. I read it in a book last week. I just remembered it off the top yeah, of my head. It no, it's, here. um, <laughs> Oh, that's going to bother me. Oh, it's from um I'm reading I'm reading a a, a book on 
It's like the theology of Ephesians, and that's where it was quoted from. Okay. Carry on. Cool. Anyways. <laughs> that was going to bug me until I remember what book it was from. All right. Well, we've made it through uh, two and a half pages of the chapter thus far. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess maybe, do you want to skip to the, so he's got like a couple like levels, as it were, sort of, of hearing from God and then some of the... Uh, mistakes um should we blitz through maybe some of the stages and then focus on the mistakes because i think that might be more interesting sure so there's um a, a, a header on mine that talks about conversational relationship and he does sort of sum up the three things um that he talks about and it says so far we have considered three forms or aspect of God's presence with us. Um, one, when he is indeed close to us, but we are not aware of him or his effects, having only blind faith or abstract reasoning to turn us towards him, which, um, I would say in early stages of our faith, that is not uncommon. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times if we've grown up in a Christian home or grow up going to church, a lot of our concept of who God is and him being with us is because we hear other people saying it, we're taught that. And so um, we accept that. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. That's a very foundational place uh, to be. And then it says too, uh, when he is sensed or there is a strong impression of his presence and he gives some examples of that, which, um, you know, I've never had an experience where the room lit up or, you know, anything like that. But I, I can certainly point to different times in my life um, where I had a very strong sense of God's presence and him being there with me. And um, it wasn't just this abstract idea of there's a God and he's with me all the time. I can now say when somebody asks me, well, these are my experiences. This is my uh -huh. story, and this is how I have, have, have experienced him in, his, in my life. And then the third one is when he acts in conjunction with our own actions to change our surroundings in ways uh, beyond our uh, own powers. And in essence, for me, um, answer to prayer falls kind of under that, that category of, um, you know, you make requests of him, you're consistent in that prayer, and then you see an answer, uh, to that prayer. So those are kind of those three, um, forms of God's presence that he talks about on the front half of this chapter. And then, um, we get into the, uh, conversational relationship, which, um, is actually the subheading su subtitle of this book is developing a conversational relationship with uh -huh. God. Um, and again, you just, you take the concept of a relationship. It has to be a two way street and two way street, uh, is done, um, through a, a, um, conversation with God. And, you know, one of the things that, that struck me kind of a couple paragraphs down is just talking about being friends with God. And that's not something to throw out there lightly. It's not just 
uh, Christian colloquialism that we Jesus have, you know, like. But we can truly be God's friend. And if he is our friend, why would he also not talk mm-hmm. to us? Like we need to expect to hear from him. And so then he goes into um, the different ways that that happens. Yeah. There, and there's one part I want to bring out, though. That's So after he talks about, you know, being friends and, and that sort of stuff, <laughs> in many cases, our need to wonder about or be told what God wants in a certain situation is nothing short of a clear indication of how little we are engaged in his work. It's like, dang, <laughs> Dallas, okay, okay. <laughs> Mic drop. Like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna yeah, we're gonna call point. it out. Okay. But I mean like you think about that, and if you know your friend well, you're gonna know what is something that's going to bless them or make them happy, what's something that's gonna upset them or irritate them, you know. You know the ins and outs of who they are, and you can read the situation too. In most cases, Dave's a happy-go-lucky guy. He seems kind of irritated today. Maybe I need to tone it back and not be so obnoxious tonight to be nicer to my friend because he's been a long day. Not that you're that way. I'm just using that as an example. You can read the room or the person, right? And if you don't have that relationship with the person, it can be really, really hard to know what to do. Like, imagine if... Your prayer time with God, like every single time, felt like a first date. Wouldn't that oh just gosh. be <laughs> awkward? But like, I think a lot of people feel that way. Like when they go to pray, they don't know what to say. They're nervous. They're uncomfortable. It feels like a first date, even though they've been doing this for years, because there's never been any depth mm-hmm. of relationship established. There's there's not that friendly, you know. Even in the silence, it's okay. Like, I think back to, yeah. like, you know, when I was married and things were going really well and we would take road trips out to Colorado. Well, that's a long drive. And some of my best memories are just sitting together, driving through the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere, just being and just experiencing yep. and not feeling like either of us had to bring up something to talk about because we're past that point, right, in our relationship. We can just be together and it's just enjoyable to be together without small talk. You know, obviously we talk, but like there's those moments where you're just like, this is nice. I'm with yeah. my person. Well, we're just here. Yeah. And even going back to your example of a first date, you know, I think about times where Melissa and I have gone out to eat. And like you said, there's conversation, but there's also been times where we just sit there. And sometimes you're looking at each other, sometimes you're not. And a a lot can even be spoken in that moment where there's no Mm -hmm. words. And it's just the presence of the other person, their affect, their, you know, the expression on their face. And, um, you know, like I genuinely think, well, I know, you know, Melissa has told me she loved me without ever saying a word, you know. So, yeah. Um. Another line kind of from all this I thought was was interesting, and it, it says, you can live as God's friend and yet also govern your own life. 
you know, he doesn't dictate everything that we do. It doesn't have to be constant prompts. It doesn't have to be constant whatever. And again, that's what a real relationship mm -hmm. is. You know, my, my parents didn't dictate everything I did. My spouse doesn't. My friends don't. I can live my life and still be their friend. <laughs> yeah. There's a, it's page 56 for me, but it, I'm going to read from half the paragraph, the very beginning and the very end. It says, so our union with God consists chiefly in a conversational relationship with God. While we are each consistently and deeply engaged as his friend and co-laborer in the affairs of the kingdom of the heavens. And I think that sums up all of this quite nicely. So then we get on to, and we'll try and do this quickly. The uh, in my heading is the mistaken interpretations, uh, how people mistake what their relationship with God is supposed to be like, and uh, why they're wrong. The first is the message a minute view, which I think stands in stark yeah. contrast to what you just said that like you can have a friendship with god right. and like well god i need to know do i wear the red shirt or the blue shirt the red shirt or the blue shirt okay now which socks do i wear the long ones or the short ones like all of the minutiae that is really i mean imagine if that's how you were with your spouse every minute you needed their validation or their input on you know like you're at work melissa's a smart lady she's not a police officer she didn't know how all that worked. And same for her. You're not a medical professional. She's not calling you to get your input on what she should do at her job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> so. And she could get, definitely give me better guidance than I could give her guidance. So. so essentially, he says, according to this first view, either God is telling you what to do at every turn of the road, or he's at least willing and available to tell you if you would only ask him. Um, and I don't really know if we need to um, waste any more time on that one, but that's his first mistaken interpretation of how to have a relationship with God. The second one is the it's all in the Bible view. Mm -hmm. And he says, I believe this second view is seriously misguided and very harmful. Now, Dallas is not usually one to use multiple superlatives in one sentence. <laughs> um, so that stands out to me. Uh, it intends to honor the Bible, but it does so with a zeal that is not according to knowledge, which is, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a backhand slap. <laughs> and so the idea is the Bible gives instructions about a good chunk of things in our lives, but it does not cover every possible situation we will find ourselves in. And so when we're in those situations, we need to have a good enough knowledge of Scripture and of God's character to be able to deduce, okay, the Bible doesn't say how to handle the situation, but what I know about Scripture and what I know about the character of God and in my relationship with God, I can deduce this. these two are the wrong solutions. And now here are two or three other options I have that seem to be somewhat in line or totally in line even though the Bible doesn't say explicitly in, you know, first Corinthians chapter five, Cameron, do not do this. Yeah. But it's, and again, like you said, it's, he, he says it intends to honor the Bible that it's all in the, but it's just not, it's just not true.
And then the last misguided interpretation, according to our dear friend here, Mr. Willard, is the whatever comes view. And it says, this third mistaken view of how God speaks is commonly adopted and has much to recommend it in terms of the peace of mind and freedom from struggle that it provides. But, in fact, it amounts to giving up any possibility of a conscious interchange between God and his children. If you wish to know what God would have you do, it is no help at all to be told that whatever comes is his will. For you are, precisely, in the position of having to decide in some measure what is to come. Does it mean that whatever you do will be God's will? I certainly hope not. And so, those are the three. The, if I can back up here, the the message a minute view, the it's all in the Bible view, and the whatever comes view are the three common misconceptions that he, uh, Mr. Willard, Dr. Willard, mm-hmm, suggests as uh, common ways that people misinterpret uh, a relationship with God. Uh, and he says to close, and with this we'll end the episode, in opposition to these three mistaken views of discerning God's voice, we have the conversational view where in a manner to be explored further, a.k.a. the rest of his lovely book, there is appropriate, clear, specific communication through conscious experience from God to the individual believer within the context of a life immersed in God's kingdom. Then he quotes Isaiah 58. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places, and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. And with that, we will end this episode. So if you want to look at the show notes in your podcast uh, player of choice, they'll be there, or you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 206 to find the notes there as well. And, um, well, we'll be back with 207 in a little while. Until then... Hope you're well. Take care.